Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. In today's study, we move into chapter 14 of Revelation. Here the scene that John describes changes dramatically. Our view moves from Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet to the Lord Jesus. As we prepare for our study, I encourage you to open your Bible and turn to the Revelation of Jesus Christ, chapter 14, and join us for A Lamb on Mount Zion. Before we begin our study, let's pray together. And Father, we're grateful that in our study today, we get to focus on the Lamb and His followers. Father, Your Word is clear, direct, and often ominous but it is also filled with great joy and wonder. And Father, today this is such a passage. And I believe, Lord, in the book of Revelation, you often give us the somber things so that we might see the jubilant things with a greater sense of joy. I ask, Lord, that you speak to our hearts and give us understanding. There are so many people with so many different views on what these things mean. Help us to cut through the base foundational meaning of these things, and entrust to you the details that will bear these things out. Encourage your people and strengthen them. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. In Revelation 14, verse 1, we read, Then I looked, and behold a lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name written on their foreheads. In Revelation chapter 14, the scene changes dramatically. John says that he looked, and behold, a lamb standing on Mount Zion. The first thing we see here is that in chapter 13, we dealt with a dragon, Satan, a great beast, the Antichrist, and a lesser beast, an underling, the false prophet. In chapter 14, verse 1, we see a lamb not a dragon, not a beast, a lamb. This lamb is the Lord Jesus Christ. We know this from all the references to a lamb in the New Testament and how Jesus is the lamb of God. He is like a lamb. We also know this because further down in verse 1, we are told that the 144,000 have his father's name written on their foreheads. The Lord God's name is written on their foreheads. So this lamb is the Lord Jesus Christ, and he is standing on Mount Zion. He is standing on the holy mount. Often in the Old Testament scripture, Mount Zion was synonymous with deliverance, and that is the case here. The lamb delivers. Satan always comes to oppress, to enslave. He is a liar, a thief, and a murderer. He comes to seek, kill, and destroy. He enslaves by deception. In Jesus Christ, in the Lamb, He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. He comes to deliver us from bondage to sin, Satan, and the worldly system. It is all too common for people on the earth to see Jesus Christ as the one who enslaves, as the one who keeps them from doing all the things that they want or who restricts or limits their behavior, their words, and their activities. They are in darkness, not realizing that following their sinful hearts 
is what actually enslaves them and will one day condemn them. Jesus Christ comes to deliver. And then he is standing on Mount Zion. He is standing on the holy mountain of God. If you will recall, the beast stood on the sand of the seashore. It doesn't take much to make the connection between God's people stand on the rock on a firm foundation and all others stand on sand, a flimsy, weak foundation. And when the difficulties come, and in this case, the judgment of God comes, those standing on the mount, those standing on the rock of Jesus Christ, will endure while those who are on the sand, in sin, in the world, carnal, following Satan, will sink and suffer loss. Jesus is not alone while standing on Mount Zion. He has with him the 144,000, having his Father's name written on their foreheads. These are the ones who earlier in Revelation were sealed with the name of God on their foreheads. Again, this is a stark contrast to what we saw in chapter 13. All the inhabitants of the earth who follow after the beast, who follow after the Antichrist, have his name, have his number, his seal, put on their foreheads or their hands. Here, God's people, the 144,000, are sealed with the name of God. And then we're told in verse 2, And I heard a voice from heaven, like the voice of many waters, and like the voice of loud thunder. The idea of the voice of many waters should remind us of the Lord Jesus Christ's voice earlier in the book of Revelation. John hears this voice from heaven. Hearing this voice from heaven seems to indicate that the scene he sees in verse 1, the Lamb standing on Mount Zion, is an earthly scene. So he hears this voice from heaven. Several times in the New Testament, when the Lord Jesus Christ has done something significant, there was a voice from heaven. At his baptism, at his transfiguration, we hear this voice from heaven. This voice is like the voice of many waters, and like a voice of loud thunder. It is a loud voice, a rumbling voice, a dominating, overpowering voice. And then we're told, and I heard the sound of harpists playing their hearts. Some translations say that the voice from heaven sounded like the sound of harpists playing their harps. In verse 3, we read, They sang, as it were, a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders. And no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. The 144,000 sing a new song, indicating that something new and wondrous has transpired. They sing this new song before the throne of God and before the four living creatures, which are before the throne of God and the elders, the 24 elders. This new song seems to be not only a song of worship and exaltation, but a song of testimony, of witness. And we're told and no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. There are those who interpret the 144,000 as representing the church, all the redeemed of God, and therefore they see this song as a song that all of the redeemed of God can sing. There are problems with that interpretation. 
There are often problems in the book of Revelation when we try to identify these unnamed individuals. Remember, the 144,000 are clearly labeled as 12,000 from each tribe of Israel. So in order to say that this represents the church, we have to say that the 144,000, the 12,000 from each tribe of Israel, also represents the church. And there's some difficulty with that. Either way, what God clearly tells us is, this 144,000, whoever they are, are able to sing a new song that no one else could learn. Following the picture of chapter 13, what God is clearly revealing to us is the Lord Jesus Christ's ultimate victory, his ultimate protection over those who follow him, who he has sealed with the name of God on their foreheads. The 144,000 are further described in verse 4 as these are the ones who are not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. These were redeemed from among men, being first fruits to God and to the Lamb. If you look carefully at verse 4, you see the word these three different times especially in the New King James Version. The word these is referring to the 144,000, and they are described as having not defiled themselves with women, being virgins. They follow the Lamb wherever he goes, and they were redeemed among men, firstfruits to God and to the Lamb. And finally, we're told in verse 5, in their mouth was found no deceit. There's no falsehood in their mouths for they are without fault before the throne of God. Obviously, being redeemed, they are without fault because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So these 144,000 are a unique group of individuals, 12,000 from each tribe of Israel, virgins. They follow the Lamb wherever He goes. They're dedicated to following and serving Him, and they have been redeemed. They are the first fruits to God and to the Lamb of those redeemed from the earth. They speak no falsehoods, and they are without fault before the throne of God. That's a stark contrast to those followers of the Antichrist in chapter 13. We should note, there should always be a stark contrast between the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ and those who live worldly apart from obedience to God. We are not redeemed by our good works. But having been redeemed, we are to do the good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. And Father, we thank you for the ultimate triumph of the Lord Jesus Christ over Satan and all of his deceptions and over all of those who will yield to his deceptions. We thank you, Father, that in your great grace, mercy, and love, you still seek to redeem lost sinners. I pray, Father, that you will help the church, enable the church, strengthen the church to work alongside of you as your vessels in this redemptive work. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for studying with us today. You can subscribe to these podcasts on Apple iTunes, Google Play, or the Facebook page Drawing Near. Drawing Near is a ministry of FBC Tip City provided with the hope that we will draw near to God and He will draw near to us.